your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6 as we continue to look here at the model prayer. And we looked last Sunday at our Father. Uh, what, what that details for us. That place that we have before God. How that is necessary for us to even have this place to come in before His throne, to be able to bring our prayers and our petitions before Him, is this relationship that we have with Him, that He indeed is our Father, uh, that we are given that place. The second line uh, that our Lord gives us here, uh, that we're going to be looking at, is, Hallowed be Thy name. Hallowed be Thy name. That means that His name is to be made holy. His name is to be exalted. His name is to be lifted up. It is to be holy. Hallowed be thy name. The, the interesting thing about this is we can, we can see it uh, so starkly in our society today. Uh, of the the general, um, maybe not so far as hatred, but but the the general disrespect for God's name in our culture, uh, even going to hatred of Him. But most people. Most people malign His name and blaspheme Him out of carelessness. Don't even think about it. It's just a disrespect that they have for God and His, His name. And, and people abuse His name uh, to mock it. Others use His name to curse with it. While still yet others use it simply as a byword in their conversation. Uh, every other every other word that comes out of their mouth, it seems, is God's name. They 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 use it so flippantly, and even in even in our theological conversations, we have to be careful that we don't speak irreverently of Him. Um, I was commenting just a little while ago. Um, a friend on Facebook put something on there and. and just as a little joke, and I was joking back with him, and I had to measure my words. Wait a minute, now that's that's almost getting to that realm of disrespect. What I was getting ready to say, and I had to, Lord, forgive me, and back off of that because I was getting close, you know, from, from what I was seeing there. And so we have to be careful that even in our even in our conversations, theological or just in our just in our banter, our joking back and forth, that we be careful that we don't that we don't do that with God's name, that we don't disrespect His name or use it inappropriately or blaspheme even uh, His name by being flippant flippant in our use of of His name. Martin Lloyd Jones, I'll read you a quote uh, that he gave concerning this. He said, What unworthy ideas and notions this world has of God. If you test your ideas of God by the teaching of the Scriptures, you will see at a glance what I mean. 
we lack even a due sense of the greatness and the might and the majesty of God. Listen to men arguing about God, and notice how glibly they use the term. It is indeed almost alarming to observe the way in which we all tend to use the name of God. We obviously do not realize that we are talking about the ever-blessed, eternal, and absolute Almighty God. There's a sense in which we should take our shoes off our feet whenever we use His name. And indeed, we need to be mindful. Hallowed, hallowed be thy name. We need to be mindful about how we use the name of God in our conversations. That we not in any way disrespect His name or in any way malign His name in our own speech, in our own conversation uh, each and every day. Now, we hear somebody use it in a, in a blasphemy sort of way. We, use, we hear somebody using it as a curse. Uh, it causes us, especially as God's people, it causes us to cringe, uh, may even make us mad, uh, may, may cause us to speak up, may watch that mouth. I'm not going to have you say that around me. Sometimes you, you know, we, get, we hear those and it, it, it runs, I mean that especially, that just runs all over me. I mean it does. Um, but we would do well to examine our own hearts also. Uh, that our indifference or our lack of respect that is truly due His name would not not come out from us, that it not be spoken by us in such a way, or even in our thinking, not just in our speech, but even in our thinking, that we would in any way, in any way bring down the name of God. Hallowed be thy name. In our indifference and our lack of respect, uh, we, we may uh, be just as guilty as those who would use it to blaspheme or to curse. And this problem plagues Christianity. Um, John MacArthur said concerning uh, God's name, he says when this is the case, believers have a low view of God. Everything focuses on meeting felt needs within the body. When a church adopts such a perspective, it often often offers people nothing more than spiritual placebos. This mindset that he's talking about will center on Psychology, it'll center on self-esteem, it centers on entertainment and a multitude of other diversions to attempt to meet these perceived and felt needs of the body in order to keep the people there instead of being mindful that we are there to worship the Most High God. That the focus of our worship is not about us and what we get from it, but rather about glory to His name. 
We as individuals and we as a church must understand we exist, we come out to worship, to bring glory to God. To bring glory to Him. And we must trust Him to meet our needs. Sadly, many believers that uh, are not careful, that don't revere God as they should, instead of trembling at God's Word, they twist His truths to meet their circumstances. Or they add to the Word their worldly philosophies, which is what we were talking about this morning. But we must see the holiness of God and our own sinfulness. And when we have that right view, uh, we will bring Him glory by our actions, by our lives before Him. We cannot ignore others' problems. And if we can help, we should help. But there must be a balance. And that that balance with, with helping and dealing with other problems and focusing on the worship of our God requires from us a high view of God. A high view of God. We must... Take Him seriously and respect Him completely. Hallowed, hallowed be Thy name. And so with this in mind, you can understand why prayer is always a recognition of God's glory and our submission to it. All our petitions, all of our needs, all of our problems are subject to Him. Prayer is not to be a casual routine. It's not to be something that we, that we treat uh, so flippant that, well, it, I guess it's time to pray and we, we go about our prayer. It needs to be a, a, uh, an action that, that we are conscious of. It needs to be an action that is um, regular for us. In other words, something that we do all the time. It needs to be a habit in our lives. That we come to our Lord in prayer. Jonathan challenged uh, the kids in Sunday school class last week, I believe it was, to to, to vote to to devote uh, more of a particular thing of their lives to godliness. Men mentioned prayer. They he, he, he challenged them to, to to spend more time in prayer, to to look for those opportunities that we can spend more time in prayer before our God. It needs to be. It needs to be a habit that is cultivated in us. That it's not just something that when suddenly we feel pressure or suddenly we feel some stress, oh, I need to pray. It needs to, be, it needs to be a regular occurrence in our lives that we are, as, as 1 Thessalonians tells us, that we are uh, to pray without ceasing. 
We need to ever be in that mindset, ready to be before the throne uh, at all times, ready to pray. Uh, It is a profound experience that we are permitted to have in the presence of the Almighty God. That He has afforded us and He has given us because He is our Father. Hallowed, hallowed be thy name. The Lord reminds us that prayer is not self-seeking. There's a place for it, as we can read. There's, there's a place for our petitions. And He encourages us to bring our petitions to Him. But it begins with praise of our God. That's where it begins with, is praise. In fact, it ends with praise to our God. So it's not self-seeking, but rather it is to be a time of worship and uh, communion with Him. Go back to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And we see here God declaring His name to Moses. Now, Moses is he is on the mountain here uh, at Horeb. He is tending his uh, father-in-law's sheep, and the Lord comes to him there in. A burning bush. Moses sees the bush. Seemingly that this bush is on fire, yet it's not burned up. And, and he goes to investigate why is this bush on fire and not burning. And the Lord calls out to him there in that place and speaks to him. And he calls Moses to do this work, to go and deliver the children of Israel from their captivity in Egypt. And Moses, Moses rejects the idea. <laughs> Moses is, by the way, 80 years old here. And the Lord's calling to go back to um, Egypt to deliver the children of Israel out from Egypt. And, and Moses, he, he just, who am I? He says, verse number 11, that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, certainly I will be with thee, as the Lord speaking, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the Lord of your father, or the God rather, of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say? Under them. Oh, what a sad state of affairs. Israel's been in captivity all these years in Egypt, 
They've been made slaves. They're brought down there during, during uh, Joseph's reign. Joseph was second in command of all of Egypt, and they're brought down there as a, a means of saving them from the from the droughts that was going on. And here they are. They they've remained. They've been made slaves as they remained in the land over those years. And and here they are in the land of Egypt, God's chosen nation, His people, and they do not even know who their God is. They were worshiping, by this time, they were worshiping the gods of Egypt and forgotten their own God. And Moses says, who, who am I, I going to tell them to send me? Moses didn't know him either. <laughs> who is it that I'm supposed to say has sent me to deliver them out of Egypt? Verse 14, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Jehovah, Jehovah Adonai, the Lord God. I, I, love, I love his name. On the night of our Lord's arrest, <laughs> He declares His name as well. They come to Him and ask Him the question in the garden there, those 64 plus soldiers that come to arrest Him uh, with their swords and their shields and their spears and their helmets this great gaggle of an army comes to arrest this one man. And they come to his presence and they ask of him, Are you Jesus of Nazareth? And his answer to them was his name. He said, I am. And they fell over backwards. They fell over backwards at the sound of his name. Now, can you imagine? <laughs> you're you're a, a soldier. You're with you're with your outfit. You're with your army buddies. There, you've got all the all the gear. You've got all the the weapons of warfare. You're hardened. You've been in battle before, and you go. Oh, we're just arresting this one guy. What are we all doing here? And they go in there to arrest him, and he says his name, and they cannot stand in his presence. Now can you imagine as they get back up to bind him what trepidation they would have to bind this one who just blowed them over by his name. Not to mention after he picked up Malchus's ear and stuck it back on his head after Peter cut Malchus's ear off. Oh, I love his name. The scribes were so reverent to his name 
that in copying the Word of God, as they would pin down making new copies of the Scriptures, when coming to His name, they would stop. They would go bathe. They'd wash themselves and pray. And then come back in and write His name. Went the wrong way. Write His name. Hebrew writes from right to left instead of left to right. They would write His name for fear. For fear that they would be irreverent as they wrote the name of God. Bathe. Pray. Before they wrote his name. Oh, hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. So by focusing our thoughts on God's name, our Lord is teaching us that God's name signifies much more than his titles. It represents all that He is. It represents His his character. It represents His plan. It, It represents His will. It represents His power. Psalm chapter number 9 and verse number 10. Psalm 9 and verse number 10. David says, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. They that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Our love... And our trust of God is not based on His names or His titles, but rather on the reality behind those names that is His person, who He is, His character. In Psalm 20, verse number 7, David writes again here, Psalm 20, verse 7, Some trust in chariots, and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We will remember the name of the Lord our God. And Jesus Himself was a manifestation of this character and the person of God. We see that even from the beginning of of John's Gospel there, as John describes Him in verse 14, and the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word was made flesh, dwelt among us. 
When we beheld His glory, the glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 14 and verse number 9. John 14 and verse 9. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? Philip had just made the statement, Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Well, if you'd just show us God, then we'd have all faith in you. If you just show us God, we'd have all confidence in what you're telling us. And he said, Have I been so long time with you, Philip? Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, show us the Father? He was the embodiment. The embodiment of the Godhead. He is the, as, as, as Hebrews says, the express image of God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 3. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 3. Verse 1 on down through verse 3 there. It says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son whom He hath appointed heir of all things by whom also He made the worlds. Who being the brightness, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He's the express, the express image of the Godhead. Christ Jesus. And this very thing that he's telling Philip there. How, how, how is it, Philip? I've been with you so long and you say, show us the Father. Why have you not known me? He says. He is the very embodiment of the Godhead. Hallowed, hallowed be thy name. You hear people say, use God's name in vain, and you hear them use that and as a cursing or a byword. Oh, they have no idea about hallowing, about how great, how wondrous that name is that we use it so flippantly. But then hear somebody use Jesus Christ as a byword or as a curse. It's, it's, it is just as bad. Just as bad. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. To hallow his name is not just to say the phrase, but it is rather your opportunity to glorify him by acknowledging his greatness. And the wonder of His person. He's revealed to us His character. 
in the names that He gives us. In the book of Genesis, He first calls Himself Elohim, Creator God. It's an interesting name because it is singular yet plural. It's a singular name, yet it is has a plural connotation. In other words, three in one. The Godhead there. And we see it even from the beginning in Genesis 1. In the creation, we see the trinity of the Godhead even there as it is declared by all three persons in the creation. Elohim. He's also referred to as El Elyon. The possessor of heaven and earth. Jehovah Jireh, which is the Lord will provide. He is our provider. Jehovah Nissa, the Lord our banner. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Reha, the Lord our shepherd. Jehovah Tisidkanu, I cannot pronounce that word. <laughs> the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is present and near. Jehovah Makodesh. Makodeshkim. The Lord sanctifieth thee. He, he, he announces His person. He announces His character as He reveals His name in these several different places throughout the Scripture. Our provider, our banner, our healer, our peace, our shepherd, our righteousness, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of all power. He is present and near, and He is the one that sanctifies us and separates us apart unto Himself. The very One who is the possessor of heaven and earth, the very One who is the Creator of it all. Hallowed be Thy name. Jesus also provides the same in His names. And He does that many times in the Gospels as He teaches. Even in the prophecies concerning Him and His coming, we find some of these names given concerning Him. He declared Himself in John chapter 6, verse number 35, that He is the bread of life. He says in John 4 and verse number 10 that He is the living water. He says in John 14 and verse number 6, He's the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, He goes further to say, No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. He says He is in John chapter 11 and verse number 25, the resurrection and the life. He says in John chapter 10 and verse number 11 that He is the Good Shepherd. In Isaiah chapter 4 and verse number 2, He is prophesied as the branch. In Revelation 22 and verse number 16, He is called the bright and morning star. 
John 1, in verse number 29, He is the Lamb of God. And many, many more we find that our Lord declares of Himself throughout His teaching. Hallowed be thy name. To hallow in means to make holy. And the Bible commands us to be holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. But our holiness can only come from God. Holiness is His attribute. And yet so many today fail to honor God in His holiness. It is the attribute of Him that is repeated by the seraphim that are gathered around His throne there as Isaiah gets that vision of Him there in Isaiah chapter 6 as those seraphim cry out one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. As they cry out that that reality of our Lord, that part of His character. Isaiah said the room was filled with smoke and the doorpost of the throne room of God shook as they declared His holiness. Holy, holy, holy. You see... The fear of the Lord is not an option. The fear of the Lord is not an option for man. We must fear Him. We must fear Him. For He he is holy. Hallowed be Thy Name. Proverbs 23, verse number 17. Proverbs 23 and verse 17. Saul speaking to his son. I'm sorry, Solomon speaking to his son. Warns him. And he says, Let, verse 17, let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Matthew chapter number 10 and verse number 28. Matthew 10 and verse number 28. The Lord says here, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Colossians chapter 3. Verse number 22. Colossians 3 and verse 22. 
Paul says here, Colossians 3 verse 22, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. In Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1, verse number 17, as John here is receiving this vision. He hears the voice. He turns around to see who is speaking to him, and he gives this description there. Verse number 12, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned... I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet likened to fine brass, as they they burned rather in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength and when I saw him I fell at his feet as dead and he laid his right hand upon me saying unto me fear not I am the first and the last fear is not an option If you don't fear God now, you will. You will. The challenge then goes out to us in 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. Paul says here in verse number 1, 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1. He says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved... Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Cleanse cleanse ourselves, he says, from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God because hallowed be Thy name. Hallowed be thy name. How do we hallow his name? How do we make it holy? Well, first, we acknowledge he is. We acknowledge he is, just as Hebrews 11, verse number 6 says, we acknowledge that he is. But simply acknowledging that he is is not enough. You can believe God exists and still not hallow His name. You might even believe He exists and know that He is holy and still not be one of His. I mean, the devils believe, the Scripture says, they believe and tremble. They know His holiness. They know He is. And they also know they are damned. So it's not enough. It is, we do need to acknowledge He is. 
But that's not enough by itself. We also have to know the truth about Him. We must know His character. We must know His attributes. We must know His Word and honor Him by our lives. Serve Him and know Him by His grace. Many claim to believe in Him, but they do not hallow Him. They do not make Him holy because they do not have true knowledge of Him. Hallowed be Thy name. He is to be not only exalted in our prayers, He is to be exalted in our lives. And so we are to know Him and we are to serve Him. We are to obey Him. Hallowed be Thy name. We must be aware of His presence, that He is ever present with us. He tells us in Hebrews 13 and verse number 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. David says in Psalm 139, in verse number 7, down through verse number 12 there, Psalm 139, verse 7 through verse 12, He says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? How can I get away from you? He says. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me, yea, the darkness hideth not from thee. But the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. We cannot hide from His presence. He is ever present. He is everywhere present. Everywhere present. So we need to be aware of His presence. We need to know the truth of Him. We need to know Him. We need to be aware of His presence. And we need to live live in obedience to Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 31. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31. Paul says here, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Will God get glory? From me. Will he be glorified in my life? In everything we do, he says, do all to the glory of God. And so when we come up to something and we say, wait a minute. 
That, that won't bring God's glory. Then don't do it. It's that simple. Live obedient unto Him. Bring Him glory. Bring Him glory. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16. Matthew 5 and verse 16. Matthew 5, verse number 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let your light so shine, so shine, that the world around you see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Psalm 34. Psalm 34, Psalm 34 and verse number 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt His name together. Live in obedience to Him. When we pray, we must realize where we are at. Again, we are in the presence of the Most High God. We are coming in to that very throne room that Isaiah saw as those seraphim gathered around that throne crying out, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. That same place that was filled with smoke that the doorposts shook in. That very same place, we are given an open door by Jesus Christ our Lord to come into that very throne room and bring to Him our prayers, our praise, our worship, and our petitions. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Let us come in, hallowing the name of our God. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed.